The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. And then suddenly he's changing. She files her financial declarations, same problems. I would ask, um, I need three documents in front of me, and they're the three filings of Miss Merchant. Three filings? Does anyone have the three filings of Miss Merchant? Does the court have the three filings of Miss Merchant? All right. I'll sit here and wait for them. Um, did you listen to any arguments? I did hear the arguments this morning. It's ridiculous to me that the, you lied on Monday, and yet here we still are. And I did listen to that argument. I think you'll have more than enough ample opportunity on uh, when the state was well, able to It's highly to offensive when someone lies on you, and it's highly offensive when they the try judge. to implicate that you slept with somebody the first day you met with them, and I take exception to it. All right. Well, Ms. Willis, you'll be, have the opportunity to explain all of that when it's the state's turn to ask more open-ended questions. Yeah. Ms. Merchant, I, I think well, we have... I very much want to be here, so I'm not a hostile witness. I very much want to be not here. Not so much that you're hostile, Ms. Willis. It'd be an adverse witness. Your interests are opposed to Ms. Merchant's. Thank Ms. You. Merchant's interests are, per are contrary to democracy, Your Honor, not to mine. We can keep things moving. Ms. Merchant, next question, please. Um, okay, so we've confirmed when you met. Um, after that, isn't it true? No, I, I need to explain this, and I think I get to explain my answers. Um, so after after that, you started dating shortly thereafter, correct? That's a lie. That's okay. one of your lies. Okay. There were some times that I would give her cash, and there were, but mostly I paid her via cash app. That would be the most convenient thing. Oh, most the, the vast majority was cash app. I, cash I don't app. know what percentage. I'm not going to guess that, but the vast majority was cash app. I know he initially paid for it. Did you pay him back? For the cruise and for Aruba. Yeah, I gave him his money before we ever went on that trip. You gave him cash before you ever went on the trip? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so when you got cash to pay him back on these trips, would you go to the ATM? No, lady. You would not go to the ATM? No. I have money in my house. You have money in your house. So it was just money that was there. When you meet my father, he's going to tell you as a woman, you should always have, which I don't have, so let's don't tell him that. You should have at least six months in cash at your house at all times. So my question was, where did that cash originally come from? If it didn't come out of the bank? Cash is uh, fungible. We had cash for years in my house. So for me to tell you the source of when it comes from, I took out a large amount of money on my first campaign. I kept some of the cash of that. Like October of 2022, you do not know where that money came from. I do know where it came from. It came from my sweat and tears. My house, and I'm sorry if I was not clear, the money would be wherever I laid my head. So I wouldn't leave the money at the house. So if um, I was unclear, no. Money's gonna be where I stay. To you getting records, you've been intrusive into people's personal lives. You're confused. You think I'm on trial. These people are on trial for trying to steal an election in 2020. I'm not on trial, no matter how hard you try to put me on trial. So. My question was, has he ever visited you at the place you laid your head? So let's be clear, because you lied in this, this. Let me tell you which one you lied in, right here. I think you lied right here. No, 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 no. no. This is the truth, Judge. And this is, it, it, it is a lie. It is a lie. 
Ms. Willis? Mr. Sena, thank you. We're going to take five minutes. Thanks. Be back in five. We all know what professionalism looks like, what decorum looks like, and devoting ourselves to the rule of law and proper advocacy. I would urge everyone to keep those principles in the mind. So you want to start with the lie that he lived with me in, in South Fulton in 2019, a home he's never been to? That's one lie you told in Judge, your document. I, no. You, Judge, I didn't ask her about that. But you put in your, Did, while we're talking about professionalism, no, while we're talking about professionalism, she put in three different documents well, he lived with me. Full opportunity to respond. In and filed that with the court. In 2019, you qualified that with your home in South Fulton. I'm That's asking, where I lived in 2020. In 2020, did he ever visit you at a place that you resided? Okay. I don't understand. You want to give me guys. In 2020, so I lived in South Fulton. Okay. That's the only place I lived in South Fulton. So if you don't Wells, come someplace, you can't live there. Ms. Wells, that's, I'm going to have to caution you. That's going to be my first time I have to caution you. We have to listen to the questions as asked. And if this happens again and again, I'm going to have no choice but to strike your testimony. Did you ever pay him through Cash App? No. You only ever paid him through cash? Well, yes. Uh, we're talking about, I'm very confused You've never now. given like, Mr. Wade money through Cash App? No. The only money you've ever given him outside of a contract is cash. I didn't give him money in a contract, so that was cute, but I didn't give him money outside, uh, in a contract. What happened, is, no, we're going to answer it since you said it. Ma'am, I don't have checks. Okay. Um, so you have no proof of any reimbursement for any of these things because it was all cash, right? The testimony of one witness is enough to prove a fact. So my question you was, do you have I'm any proof? Is that what you're intimating right here? I'm asking if you have any proof that you paid him any I mean, of these The monies. proof is what I just told you. You have no written proof. Is that correct? Our regular viewers will understand what I'm saying when I when I say that there was another Christian duty moment uh, yesterday afternoon. Fannie Willis, she didn't have to testify. In fact, her attorneys did not want her to testify. But as you saw there at the start of that cold open, she barged into the courtroom. And I mean, she was ready to lay into those attorneys. And speaking of Christian duty, remember now, this, this RICO case, these RICO charges, she just hurled it at 18 different people besides Donald Trump. Michael Roman, I think he was some kind of a Trump campaign guy. His attorneys go after her, her shady background, and are trying to disqualify her from Roman's case and also from Donald Trump's case. So look at how spectacular this, this backfire is again and again. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on this last show of the work week. Hard to believe Friday is already upon us. You can get to the live video stream of this show at trumpetdaily.com or at rumble.com forward slash trumpetdaily. Either of those two will get you the live stream or the show's as they're posted after the fact. Uh, also, we should mention the, uh, the LFA feed. That's uh, every evening at, uh, I think it's around 8 p.m. still, maybe 7 p.m. on Fridays. Uh, that's at LFA TV, also a Rumble channel. And then, uh, too, we've got another uh, Rumble promotion 
uh, scheduled for this Sunday, so we'll let you know how that went on uh, Monday's program a couple of weeks ago. I mean, I guess if you just step back for a moment, it, it really is stunning. There, there were some people on social media suggesting that uh, she had her dress on backwards because of the zipper up front. You saw, you might have seen the flag lapel that was upside down. I mean, what better typifies this disaster, this train wreck? And then what's, what's just as shocking, stunning, is the level of, of ignorance on one hand, <clears throat> the level of arrogance she would have served herself and her cause better had she not testified. Certainly not in that kind of an angry attitude. But she just, she couldn't help herself. I don't know if it was something that Nathan Wade said in his testimony. He was a little bit more measured. Had a 15 second pause. We'll get to that later. Maybe he said something or didn't say something that caused her to storm into the courtroom. But for whatever reason... She sat down in an angry fit. And, and like I said a couple weeks ago on this program, when we talked about the Christian duty statement that the Tkachas put into the, uh, the back end of Transformed by Truth, basically telling the world it's our goal, it's our objective to keep this book out of print. We don't want anyone in America or the world to see or to read or to study the writings of Herbert Armstrong. They shot themselves in the foot, even as the litigation was just beginning. And that's what these persecutors are doing. And you go right down the list of all of them. I mean, Bob Mueller, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page. I know they've gotten, a lot of them have gotten their cushy jobs at MSNBC. But they've also been humiliated and or fired and, and their ignorance, their anger, their arrogance has been exposed. It's going to be the same. It already has been, to some extent, with Letitia James and Alvin Bragg, that case coming up at the end of March. But it's exactly what we've been saying in our literature. My father wrote about it in America Under Attack. I've got some quotes from Trumpet articles from two, three years ago saying that these traitors, really, these traitors are going to be exposed, and they are being exposed, and there were so many scriptures that came to mind last night and, and early this morning. As you see, these people, I mean, in so, in so many cases, too, they're like the, the Michael Avenatti types. They're lawless, but they're also just really, I mean, I, I don't want to focus on personality or appearance, but they're, they're really, you feel sorry for them. They're lowlifes. They're living lives that are personally a disaster. And then they're on this mission. They're on this crusade to destroy Donald Trump. Here, as some have tweeted, here she thought that this would make her career. Go, bringing down Donald Trump, bringing down the bad orange man. It didn't make her career. It broke her career. And everyone saw it because she couldn't help herself. The Proverbs say, when pride comes, then comes shame. You, you have to, when you look at this level of arrogance and vanity and pride, 
you, you do have to wonder. We know God, and leaving all that aside, God said he would expose it, and God said he would bring Donald Trump back. So you have that right there, the sure word of prophecy. But then, too, what does God think of this kind of arrogance and pride and vanity? Well, he says what he thinks in the holy book. Pride goes before destruction, and an haughty spirit before a fall. Another proverb says, a man's pride shall bring him low. We saw a lot of lowlights yesterday. Certainly not highlights in this woman's crusade to destroy Donald Trump. She has been exposed as a fraud. She has been exposed as one who has milked the system, paying this attorney who just worked on really low-level cases up until his big, his big score in 2021, right as she came in as the district attorney. And she gave, she gave this assignment to her lover and paid him nearly a million dollars and then received some pretty nice kickbacks in the form of traveling the world with her lover. Her lover that was married, by the way, and got divorced from his wife or filed for divorce the day after he got the, the posh assignment to go after Trump. Get Trump! Romans 1 and verse 28 says that because they didn't retain God in their knowledge, that God gave them over to a reprobate mind or a base mind, it says in the uh, Revised Standard, a mind where it's just void of judgment. It's stunning to me to see people on display, like you often see on this program, who've put in a lot more years in higher education institutions than I ever did. And yet, their mind is just so corrupted by their behavior, by their rejection of God, and the truth of God, the principle, just basic principles of godly living. And God tells us in the scriptures what that leads to. It leads to human reasoning run amok. It leads to minds, minds that worship human reasoning alone. It made me think also of Barack Obama's statement from a couple years ago at Stanford. We played that clip a couple weeks ago where he said, you know, look, we've got to defend truth. Not, a, not absolute truth or fixed truth, but, you know, your truth, basically. What we know is more true. They, they, when you watch these people, you really do get the feeling that they believe that their truth is absolute. Notice, she's caught lying to the court. And what is she especially hot about? This attorney who evidently lied in this hearing. Now, now they really, they really react with fury, fiery fury. If they think you're lying, or if you don't, if you don't defend their truth, caught in a web of lies. There's another passage you can look at later, 1 Corinthians 3, where it says in verse 18, let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seems to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. God, what God means there is you better become like a young child. You, you better have a childlike attitude. 
You better look at the, the beam in your own eye first before you go after the speck in someone else's eye. That's what they're doing here. They're trying to get Donald Trump on little specks, moving boxes, making a phone call to election officials in Georgia saying, hey, you, you really should clean things up. They're trying to send the man to prison for that. And then meanwhile, look at what they do. Look at what they're caught up in. We don't even know the half of it. Because it's like Ezekiel 8. God's, eventually God's going to bring us to the hole in the wall and say, check this out, the abominations were even greater than you thought. Verse 19 of 1 Corinthians 3 says, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. Foolishness. For it is written, he takes the wise in their own craftiness. God has led a lot of these people into a masterful trap, a Christian duty type trap. They just couldn't resist. We had the full page ad in a newspaper. I forget the exact content of it. But we challenged. We challenged these false ministers on mystery of the ages and the simplicity of the truth as presented by Herbert Armstrong when you compare it to their muddled and confusing approach. And I mean, the Tkach people, they didn't like that. They didn't like that ad. They didn't like being challenged. So he says in the back of his book in 1997, the very year, the very year the litigation started over Mystery of the Ages, he says, look, we're not uh, trying to, not, we're not, not printing Mystery of the Ages because our approach is muddled and Mr. Armstrong's was clear. We have a Christian duty to keep it out of print. The arrogance, the pride, that came before their fall. Verse 20 in, in 1 Corinthians 3 says, And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. He knows the thoughts of the wise. The wise of this world. There have been so many things, not just the, the story with Fannie Willis yesterday, but so many things this week. I've been <laughs> sounding like a broken record with the students here on campus. But so many instances or stories or news items that have just made me appreciate the truth of God and, and to appreciate the simplicity of God's word. Mystery of the ages, all of the, the, the most significant and important questions that you could ever ask about our existence, our purpose on, on, on this earth, our future or, or the question of life after death, as we covered in doctrines class this morning. It's all laid out there in Mystery of the Ages. You can, you can study that book for yourself and see why that we fought for it. Six years. And you know, another thing that makes you appreciate the simplicity of God's truth and, and the fact that God's new world is about to be set up on this earth is just looking at well, any given sector of society, consider the judicial system. Here's this. She throws these charges at 18 different defendants, just trying to take out the whole lot. Uh, most of, half of those defendants didn't even know each other. But if, I mean, if they've got a Republican near their name or if they're in any way a Trump supporter, go after them. They tried to steal the election. Put them in prison. And then this system, I know Jack Smith and all of them now, they want to hurry it. 
They want to they expedite everything. But the simple matter is that that's just not the way this system works in the United States. Litigation goes on for years. In our case, it was six years. And it costs millions and millions of dollars. Now, you've got to have all these attorneys coming in because, well, you've got defendants like what you saw yesterday. There's not, I mean, there are other witnesses. I mean, you've got her friend of 30 years that said, yeah, she got together with uh, Nathan Wade in 2019. And then she hired her lover in 2021. So there you go. But outside of that, there's not a big, long paper trail because they're not turning over their bank records or anything like that. So you have to listen to her. Here's these high paid attorneys and there's several of them. And then there's the cross examination. And then there's all of the, you know, your honor, I, uh, I, I think that question is inappropriate. I'd like for that to be stricken from the record. But anyway, the, the links that they have to go to to just try to get to the truth. And then when you have a defendant saying, well, listen, he was getting paid by my office. Okay. And we were going on cruises and traveling the world, going to Belize and everything else that I can't, you know, really place in a certain continent, but uh, be that as may, as it may, uh, we spent lots of money and I just paid him back. It wasn't like I was paying him so that I could then receive all these perks in return. I paid him back. How'd you pay him back? Cash. Yeah. I had it underneath the mattress. That's just what we do. That's what my father taught me. Piles and piles of cash. I mean, it's just preposterous. But think about the millions of all the people involved in that courtroom. The judge, the, the attorneys, the reporters, and the millions and millions of dollars. There, my point is, there's a better judicial system coming. There certainly is. Listen to Laura Ingram's commentary from last night as she just gives you a little bit of history of what led up to this attack against Donald Trump. Fannie Willis's attack on Trump. This is clip eight. Today, over several hours in an Atlanta courtroom, we saw why allowing a county DA to bring charges against a former U.S. president is absurd and destructive. Now, Fannie Willis is a leftist who thought that this case would catapult her to political fame, maybe even the Senate or governor's mansion, because it would be Fannie, the Trump slayer. And she was so full of herself, she thought no one would notice when she hired her married boyfriend as her lead Trump investigator. Now, just to refresh everyone on the timeline here. On New Year's Day 2021, Ms. Willis started as Fulton County DA, and then the next month, what, 40 days later or so, February 10th, she opens the criminal investigation into the Trump election interference claim. And then, months later, by November 1st, she hires her friend, Nathan Wade, as a very special prosecutor. And then the next day, he files for divorce from his wife. It's devastating, just the timeline itself milking the system, using taxpayer funding for this bogus case to begin with, the RICO charges, and then benefiting from it to the tune of tens of thousands of dollars and luxury tours through Napa Valley and cruise, cruise uh, trips, as I said earlier. Nathan Wade, for his part, he... Uh, he testified yesterday. He was just asked simply, do you remember this cabin that you rented six months ago? 
six months ago in Tennessee, and he started, you know, shuffling through papers. Well, which one are you talking about here? And well, you can listen to it for yourself. Clip two. Mr. Wade, I'm, I'm not asking you to go through a thousand pages of records. I'm asking if you remember paying for a cabin six months ago in Tennessee. No. You remember booking a cabin? I booked lots of cabins. Did you go to a cabin with Miss Willis ever? Ever? Ever. I will never, ever, ever criticize the dear leader's pregnant pauses again. 16 seconds. He could, for, for one, he rents cabins all the time. That's kind of strange. But he can't remember the one where he evidently was together with Fanny just six months ago. Then you've got Fanny's friend of 30 years. She's not a friend anymore. I mean, that bridge has been burned. But she said, yeah, Fanny got together with him in 2019. And evidently the relationship was going strong up until, I mean, deep into last year on the calendar. Listen to Fanny's friend. This is uh, clip three. When I ask you personal, do you take that to mean romantic? Yes. And do you understand it? that their relationship began in 2019 and continued until the last time you spoke with her? Yes. 2019 to the last time, which would have been sometime last year, 2023. In between all of that, as you saw from Laura Ingram's timeline, Fanny comes into office. She's the district attorney there in Georgia. She comes into office January of 2021, files the case against Trump a month or two later, and then a few months after that, hires her boyfriend and agrees to pay him, what, seven, dollars $800,000? And then, from that time on, he's traveling the world on this attorney's fat salary. And the regime media, if you can believe it, after seeing the spectacle yesterday, they are rushing to the, not, maybe not every single one of them, there were a few honest observations yesterday, but for the most part, they are rushing to the defense, not of Donald Trump or any of those others that were charged in the RICO case, but they're rushing to the defense of the indefensible. This is clip 11. This is going nowhere. It will very soon be yesterday's news because there is no conflict financial or otherwise. There's nothing that I saw in the testimony thus far recognizing additional witnesses will testify today and the hearing is expected to go into next week. Uh, but I've seen nothing that has inured to the detriment of any defendant in the case. So I don't think the defense will be able. Um, I would be hard pressed to to believe that anything she said was a misrepresentation, was inaccurate or was untruthful. She was angry and she had every right to be angry. She was she remained respectful, but forceful. And I don't think this hearing will win the defense any relief whatsoever. This, this one witness. Can, can I ask you a question? Yeah. So what? 
So what if they had this relationship? Well, the question well, is, did they lie about it? I agree with no, but, but what if they had it? But, exactly. But, but why, why does, it, does this prejudice Donald Trump or any of these defendants at all? I mean, that's the thing that's so baffling about all this. Suppose they had this relationship. Suppose they lied. Why does that disqualify them in, in, this, in this proceeding? Obviously doesn't like being lied about. She obviously doesn't like having her personal, life just, her personal life dragged out into the open and also lied about people. The Trump attorneys seemed bumbling. They seemed unprepared. They seemed completely surprised that she took the stand and had absolutely nothing prepared for her. So if you're wondering why she's angry is that this has led to such an upheaval in her life in so many different ways to serve and to try and and take this case to fruition and then to have this happen that would cause someone to be very very angry you know it's bad when you turn on fox news and they start talking about her demeanor her behavior her looks i mean it uh it shows that there's probably a problem with the case that they think they have against her. One of the reasons that the attorneys on the Trump side seem so flummoxed by her is that they lack a certain cultural competency. Depending on how you grew up, where you grew up, and even things like who your community was, the practices that Fonnie Willis was talking about in terms of keeping cash in your home at those might resonate differently with you depending on your upbringing. And so a number of attorneys in that courtroom were completely stymied by it. That didn't seem to make sense to her. But when she explained how she was raised by her father and how important it was for him to see her grow up A, independent and financially independent at that as a black woman, that made the difference for me and I think for others watching as well lack of uh, cultural competency. So there are the talking heads pulling out the race card in the case of that last woman, just like Fanny did yesterday. It's all they have. How does this, how do you make this about race? Well, leave it to the regime to turn everything into some, honestly, in a, in a former time where a judge was just upholding the law and nothing else, a totally colorblind judicial system, she would have been thrown out of the court within the first 15 or 20 minutes. But as it is, they've got to sit down, they've got to listen to the tirade, because you certainly don't want to offend a minority race. How sad, really. It used to be that justice was blind, or that's what we upheld or tried to promote. It's not so anymore. Now it's an attack on a culture. Now it's an attack on a race. Now, I mean, you're getting these lawyers that are flummoxed. They're flummoxed because they don't, they're not culturally competent. There you go. it, It wasn't all like what you just saw there in that montage. There were a few, as I said, more honest observers. Here's one from MSNBC, clip four. Don't let the legalese fool you. This is epic. This is monumental. If things are going in the direction we think, uh, Fonnie Willis lied to the court, it's game over for her. She will be disqualified. Um, if they had a relationship prior to when they uh, represented to, to the court, it's, it's a huge deal. I, I can't overstate it. This is epic. Says, uh, says that one. I think she's a, an attorney. 
and as I say, a bit more honest. This is over at Slate, <laughs> the left-wing publication. It says Willis herself took the stand to deny allegations that her relationship is improper or unethical. During her combative testimony, the district attorney came across an outraged to the point of disgust, uh, embarking on lengthy tangents to contest each detail of the allegations against her. Again, you saw some of this in the cold open. Willis managed to put forth a set of fairly plausible rebuttals to claims that she violated any formal rules or misrepresented herself to the court, and yet none of her protestations could possibly inspire confidence in a skeptic that she should continue to lead this prosecution. Anyone bringing criminal charges against Trump is bound to face withering scrutiny. Well, God is exposing it. But I don't, think, uh, I don't think they're scrutinized quite like Slate thinks they are. Certainly not like the bad orange man. It's, it's like Donald Trump himself has said. You know, I, I must be the cleanest, I must have the cleanest record of anyone in the world, given how much they've scrutinized and investigated and indicted me. As he said, I mean, he can't, he can't even barely fly over a blue state without getting a subpoena. It says here, Willis did not live up to that standard. The consequences for her case, for accountability, for American democracy are already devastating. If Willis is removed from the case, things get infinitely easier for Trump. Think about the tide turning, as we discussed on yesterday's show. Put simply, it would be extraordinarily easy for uh, Scandalakis, that's the Republican guy in, in Georgia, to make this case go away until November and beyond. That's just the way the litigation goes in the United States. Delay, years long, subpoenas, investigations, you know, you've got discovery, you've got all the depositions. That's the judicial system of the United States. And a lot of these Marxist radicals now they want to shove a lot of that process aside and expedite everything just so we can get Trump behind bars before the election. This is over at The Spectator. Fannie Willis, the district attorney in Fulton County, went down in flames on Thursday. A crematorium wouldn't have been more efficient. And it gives some of the background and so on. The question of hypocrisy also lingers over the affair. When Willis was running for office, she assured a television interview she would never have sex with anyone who worked under her. <laughs> and she would, never, she would never misuse tax dollars either. That's what she said. Should have played that clip for you. As DA, Willis has full authority to hire outside attorneys and pay them generously. The problem arises only if she received personal corrupt benefits from her decision. That's what makes Thursday's testimony such a problem for Willis, regardless of when she began the affair. After Wade began work for her, the two went on expensive trips together and cannot prove that they split the costs. That's why they're saying it was all on cash, because they don't have the receipts. It says, the question whether Willis acted corruptly is underscored by her decision to hire an attorney who spent his career dealing with small cases. None of this adds up. He's not even the right attorney for the job. He was her lover. That's why he got the job. And that's why he was paid handsomely. 
And that's why they were traveling the world. The district attorney has yet another problem, and it's a serious one, if she made false statements under oath or funneled public money to a boyfriend and then benefited from it, Willis could face discipline, disbarment, or even criminal charges. I mean, she could end up going to jail for this. Probably won't happen because people are just too terrified of being called a racist or accused of not being, you know, culturally educated. The evidentiary hearing will continue in McAfee's court, but the case against Willis is building. The appearance of corruption and impropriety is obvious. That won't necessarily end the case, but it is more than enough to end Fannie Willis's participation in it. She tried to incinerate Trump and tumbled into the inferno herself. What is it we have said, whether it's in America Under Attack or the Trumpet Magazine. This is from March 2021. This is three years ago at the Trumpet Magazine. My father says here, the devil has successfully used the radical left to attack America, the superpower of end-time Israel. God, but God intervened and stopped him temporarily by the hand of President Trump. That has enraged them all the more They've committed several treasonous acts trying to ruin President Trump. Ceaseless condemnation, spying, a groundless three-year criminal investigation, impeachment. These attacks were all based on grotesque lies. And they knew it. And they didn't care, it says. That's a diabolical evil. He says God sent President Trump specifically to deal with that evil and to save America temporarily. That work is not complete. So this too shows that he is coming back. We said that back in March of 2021. This one's from February of 2022, so two years ago. My father says here, Yet despite the media silence and censorship, I believe we are at a turning point. I'm convinced that right as the radical elite's power is surging, and they're leading America to its demise. Their treason is about to be exposed, and they will lose their power. This has been, <laughs> this has been our, whatever you want to call it, prediction, prophecy. This has been what we've said, or been saying, for a number of years now. Well, ever since they stole the election in 2020 that Trump's coming back, and as part of that comeback, he's going to expose these traitors. We, I just thought this morning, all those times, Donald, he, we played one of them for, for uh, you the other day when he was interviewed by Leslie Stahl, who said, they didn't spy on you. There's no evidence of that. Leslie, Leslie, it's all over the place. Go, just go downstairs and get a newspaper. But he said, he said there, he said it on the tarmac one time, he said it in campaign stump speeches, we caught them. We caught them in the act. We've exposed them. That's one reason why God has worked through that Jeroboam type. Because, well, he's, he's preventing Israel from having its name blotted out entirely. He's giving us one last opportunity as a people, as a nation, to
to turn to him in humble repentance. And he's also exposing this great evil, this audacious attack. America Under Attack, that's the book we plug most often on this show. If you'd like that, or Mystery of the Ages, as uh, I referred to you, referred you to earlier, make sure you call our operators. If you live in the United States or Canada or the Caribbean, just, just dial 1-866-930-3024. When we come back, we've got this week's, this week's installment of World Watch. There you go. Brain freeze for a moment. And then also we'll conclude today's show. We'll conclude this week of shows with our Bible study segment. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We'll be right back. Daily news, Bible prophecy. See the connection on the Trumpet Daily. Are you feeling overwhelmed by the flood of news and information? You need something to sift the news and bring you only what matters most. You need the Trumpet Daily. You also need something to help you understand not just what's happening now, but what will happen next. You need the Trumpet Daily. Only the Trumpet Daily accurately matches daily news to precise Bible prophecies. Because Bible prophecy is the only tool up to the task of sifting the news down to what's important and showing you what will happen next. Join host Stephen Flurry every weekday. Go to TrumpetDaily.com. Russia, China, and Iran will hold joint naval drills over the coming weeks, China's defense ministry reported February 6th. The drills, aimed at regional security, will take place before the end of March. These military exercises are reminiscent of similar drills the three countries held in the Gulf of Oman last March. As the United States declines in power and global influence, other international powers are rethinking their alliances and developing closer military and economic cooperation. Bible prophecy warns not only that America will decline, but also that Russia, China, and Iran will be three of the major powers to rise in its stead. All three of these powers play key roles in important end-time prophecies. To learn more, read What are the Times of the Gentiles? Iran can produce enough weapon-grade enriched uranium for a nuclear weapon in a week, according to a February report by the Institute for Science and International Security, a group that has followed Tehran's nuclear program since the 1990s. According to the report, Iran has had enough highly enriched uranium to produce a nuclear weapon since 2022. The nation need only enrich the uranium from 60 to 90 percent, which is far easier than bringing it up to 60 percent. The Institute upped Iran's threat level to extreme danger, the highest of its six ratings, for the first time. According to the Institute's calculations, Iran could make six weapons in one month with the amount of weapon-grade uranium it is believed to possess. Both the Obama and Biden administrations have worked to aid Iran's nuclear program. To learn more about the prophetic ramifications of these disastrous actions, read Obama and the King of the South. German Defense Minister Boris Pistorius announced plans on February 5th to send 150 troops to Kosovo as tensions with Serbia build. 
Starting in April, the troops will join 90 Bundeswehr soldiers who are already stationed there. Kosovo, a former province of Serbia, is comprised mostly of ethnic Albanians. In 1989, war broke out between Serbia and its breakaway province, and it lasted until NATO intervened in 1999 with an 11-week bombing campaign. NATO established the Kosovo force to keep peace in the region. Since then, tensions have flared up periodically, most recently as Kosovo has tried to integrate ethnic Serbs in its north. Pistorius stated that German Chancellor Olaf Scholz has emphasized very clearly that the future of the Western Balkans lies in the European Union. Germany's efforts to maintain stability in the Balkans seem noble, but it is hiding dark ambitions under a cloak of peace. To learn more about why Germany's interest in the Balkan region is so important, read Germany's Conquest of the Balkans. To learn more about current world news and how it relates to Bible prophecy, please visit thetrumpet.com. Indeed, uh, go over to thetrumpet.com, the website, if you want to keep up with any and all of these uh, particular stories referred to on World Watch. Yesterday, for the, uh, the Bible study, I was talking about <clears throat> not growing weary in, uh, in well-doing. I mentioned this comment my father made back in 2003. This was uh, the day after we finally <laughs> won the lawsuit, the litigation over Mystery of the Ages and the other 18 works of Herbert Armstrong, including the correspondence course, the autobiography, Incredible Human Potential, all of these, these wonderful works. And my father said the day after, he talked about how there were times during that six years of litigation that he got a little tired of fighting, but he knew that he had to go forward. He knew that we had to win. He knew that there was no letting up, there was no giving up in this fight. And he said here, we're all weak, but we can't be weak as a way of life. We're going to have to conquer, and we're going to have to overcome the devil by getting on our knees and crying out to God and to Christ for that strength to face whatever comes. And he said, it's not easy. It's not easy, but that's why we've got to turn to God. That's why we've got to drop down to our knees and cry out for strength. The strength to endure, the strength to fight on, the courage to continue in this struggle. Notice 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 11. It says, For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies, they're not working. Some in the area of Thessalonica had, well, they were hoping the, the return of Christ would happen, you know, in the coming month. And so they stopped working. They stopped supporting God's work. And uh, Paul said, when you do that, look, the tendency in human nature is to just then run your mouth and to cause division. Then this is what he commanded them to do. Get out there and roll up your sleeves and go to work. Verse 12, it says, now them that are such we command and exhort by the Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. And then verse 13 says, But you, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. Don't be weary in well-doing. Same, same as what he said over in Galatians 6, which we read yesterday. But we've got to work all the way up to Christ's return 
Herbert Armstrong once told <laughs> a hypothetical saying, if, you know, if, I if we were going to break ground on a new administration building today, and today I learned that Christ was going to return tomorrow, and there'd be no way we could finish this building, we couldn't even hardly start it, I'd still break ground. Because you want to be found doing. Just like Jesus said in Luke 21, we want to be continuing all the way to the finish line. This, like I said yesterday, I mean, this is where the Laodiceans dropped the ball. I mean, they just veered off course, got out of the race. Here they were coming right down to the home stretch. Look at what we're living through. Look at this world. It's about to go up in flames. And look at the hope that God gives to his church. I was talking about this this morning, the hope of the resurrection. I mean, we're that close to the first resurrection, the resurrection of the saints, to God beings. It's talked about all through the Bible. Read 1 Corinthians 15. Read 1 Thessalonians 4. Read Revelation 20. And yet, how many people even understand this, this truth, this doctrine, the hope of the resurrection? Christ was just the first of the first fruits, the first to be born, the first among many brethren, many brothers and sisters. It's a big family, in other words. You can read about that in, in Romans 8. So many people, even the world of traditional Christianity, their minds have just been blinded to the truth. That's, that's why this book is so important, Mystery of the Ages, because it really, it helps you understand and to see, using your own Bible, God's purpose and plan for man. Why are we here? What is our purpose? Where is this headed? What happens when the world finally does explode in turmoil and violence? Well, that just means we're that much closer to the establishment of God's new world on this earth. Read a Re it's Revelation 11, verse 15. It says, when the kingdoms of this, of this world, this present world, this present evil world, as Paul said in Galatians 1.4, when those kingdoms and nations become gods, when God rules, Zechariah 14 says the same thing. Jesus is the coming king. He's going to rule the world. We're getting that close. So, it's sad to see your nation dying. It's sad to see this world dying. I mean, this world really and truly is gasping for its last few breaths. But if anything, I mean, that should further motivate us to keep doing, to keep working, to keep pushing, to keep fighting. Hebrews 12 and verse 1, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, and Paul's talking about all those witnesses in Hebrews 11, the faith chapter. So many of them sacrificing their physical lives to further the work. Dying prematurely to further the work. We're surrounded by all of these, these examples of fighters. Not quitters, but, but real warriors. He says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. That word patience, it, it's really talking about endurance. We have to keep going. 
And of course, as far as the pace is concerned, the more we can set aside those weights, that sin, the faster we can run. Sin slows us down. Sin are like ankle weights. Sins are like ankle weights. It keeps us from running, from sprinting. Verse 2 says, Looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Paul says we're in a race, and of course we're looking ahead to Jesus Christ. He's like the pace setter. He's setting the pace for us. He's showing us the way. We follow in his steps, 1 Peter 2.21. And we look to his perfect example. We look to his perfect way of life and emulate it and follow it. Verse 3, it says, For consider him, this is speaking of Christ still, consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Consider what sin did to Jesus Christ. We're given the charge to lay aside every sin. And then Paul says, look at what sin did to Christ. Consider that. It's easy to wallow in self-pity when it comes to our own sins, and there's certainly room for some self-examination along the way. Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 11. But what he really wants for us to focus on, particularly as we're coming into the Passover season, is what our sins did to Jesus Christ, our Savior, Verse 4 says, You have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Sometimes just even striving against sin can, can be discouraging if we feel like we're not making the progress or showing the fruits or overcoming bad habits like we should. But Paul said, Don't be wearied and faint in your minds. You've got to keep battling, particularly when it comes to laying aside those evil sins. Hopefully we can continue in this study. There's quite a few scriptures that uh, really give wonderful admonition, encouraging admonition about this fight that we're in. We're all, like my father said, we're all weak, but we can't be weak as a matter of habit or routine. You are listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show. We appreciate some of you joining us for every show this week. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>